Good evening, Jim. How are you doing? I'm well, Bob. How are you doing? Are you, are you staying cold over there? Yeah, staying real cold. Yeah, yeah. The weather's really been cooling down. No. I hope you brought your jacket. Yeah. Well, anyway. It's windbreaker season here on the coast. I guess it is. Yeah, I think it's been really, really... Um, well, last week it was really cool. But um, anyway, who does point-and-click call when they have computer problems? I don't know. <laughs> we, have a, we have a really good engineer at KZYX, Rich Culbertson, who... Yeah, always pulls our fat out of the fire, so to speak, when when things happen. But uh, for some reason, the connection just wasn't going through between the studios. Usually, that's the least of the problems. Sometimes we have problems with phones and other things, and uh, we ran out of time last last show two weeks ago uh, before we could take any phone calls. So we want to encourage people to call in and uh, give us uh, a, your question or comment. Uh, Tonight, we're going to leave the phones open the whole hour as we try to cover some of the things we also ran out of time to cover last time, mostly stuff from Apple's developer conference, which is now virtual. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it happened last week, and there's new announcements that we'll talk about um, throughout the show. But as Bob said, um, we want to make sure that we give folks a chance to call in, ask questions, make comments on anything computer and digital. And digital. Um, you can reach us here in the studio at 895-2448, 895-2448, our usual number. Give us a call. The phones are open now, and we will uh, we'll take your calls and get you on the air. And in between calls, we'll sprinkle in uh, our news items of the week, which, as Bob noted, um, include the announcements that came out of Apple and the Worldwide Developers Conference This that took place virtually, as Bob noted, uh, this past week, uh, or last week, I should say. <clears throat> this is an event that Apple has every June where they preview the new operating systems, the new system software for the iPhone, the iPad, and the Macintosh uh, uh, hardware. And those new operating systems usually ship toward the latter part of each year, but in June, Apple takes the wraps off of the prototypes and shows people what is uh, coming, and that also gives their developers, hence the name the Developers Conference, a chance to get their hands on the new software and make sure that their programs are compatible with the new versions and so that they run uh, and take advantage of some of the new features. So that's what happened last week. Um, as, as, as Bob mentioned, this is an, a big event that typically would draw between 1,000 and 1,500 people from all over the world. Um, but for obvious reasons, last year and this year, it's been online and virtual and free. Well, they would always sell out. It was a really, really hard to get oh, yeah. tickets. Like, like immediately. You had to be a registered Apple developer or a member of the media. That you know, Even the media seats were, were limited. And it would just sell out completely, and people would come to Moscone Center, I think. Uh, or no, they started having it down in San Jose, I think. Uh, it typically would happen yeah. in uh, San Jose, yeah. Because Silicon Valley, where a lot of developers are. And these are people that write programs for the Apple platform and uh, write software, not even just for the Apple platform. A lot of the um, developers develop for Android, and you know, if they're phone developers, they develop for Android and for, for sure. Apple. So or Mac and Windows on the on the desktop or laptop yeah, front. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're everyone um, from you know small developers to the Microsofts and Adobe's of the world. You left out a couple of items in your list: <laughs> iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple TV, and the watch. And watch, yeah. And the the uh, list keeps growing because um, this presentation was uh, the keynote where they just introduced the operating system so everybody could see all the features that were coming was well over an hour and they gave a, a, a really uh, a lot of time to um, to iOS the phone and they just keep increasing the integration and the snazzy features and you know, deepening the feature sets and levels and snazziness of things like the uh, Apple Maps and stuff like that all those yeah. all those apps that are part of that ecosystem get a get a big boost usually yeah and basically you know the, the features typically and this is certainly the case this time around as well they fall into the um 
all new features that really enhance how we use these devices in one way or another. Um, new features that are kind of fit and finish more glitzy. They're, they they work better than they used to, or they look better than they did in, in, in past versions. And then lately, of course, with new each new version of its operating system, um, we're seeing a lot more privacy features <clears throat> built into the uh, into the system software, and right. all three of those, um, all three of those buckets, and there are more too. But basically, they're the broad buckets that new features arrive in in Apple's world. Yeah, and um, and and we saw lots of examples across the board. Can we start out with the one that everybody really, really, really hates more than anything else, and that's the split screen feature on the iPad. Oh, <laughs> how do I close that second window that I got on my Yes, iPad? that just came out of nowhere, and I never even asked for it. And it just, you know, you try to get rid of it, and it quits the whole app you were in, and that makes you upset with the thing. and Or else you try to move it around, and it's just, it's 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 one of those things that, what do they call it? What, is this, what do interface developers call it? It, it, it doesn't affordability, affordance. It has no affordance whatsoever. You can't figure out yeah. what the heck to do with that extra split screen. Now they've got it way more sophisticated and easy to just intuitively, you know, a lot of the stuff you do on those devices, you swipe up or swipe down and it creates a behavior that, that changes the state of the, of the screen display. One of the things they demonstrated in the video is they had a web browser on the right side of an iPad, a big, you know, one of the big um, iPad Pros. They had an email um, inbox on the left side, and when they tapped on the email, instead of just filling up the left side, it, the email, when it opened, went right into the middle of the screen, covering you know both of the windows where you could read the email. I haven't seen that behavior before. That was really Interesting. cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah, cool. It was really nice. And if you just pull down and swipe down on one of the halves, it'll go down into the dock. And the other thing is, you can pair these, uh, you know, split the screen between two different things, and they'll kind of join up and create a work environment that if you minimize, you can bring up another browser and another window, and they'll stay together, and they'll pair together in the dock. So down in the dock, mm -hmm. instead of having the separate applications, they'll have a little, uh, you know, thumbnail of the two paired applications that are open together and it gives you workspaces that you can work with so if you're copying text from a browser into an email and then you're going to a different program and you know creating a graphic or something you can you can pair them up together and, and keep them that way which is really cool yeah that is cool that yeah, is cool i like that you know the um one of the one of the features that uh kind of spans all of the devices and uh, that I think a lot of people will welcome, especially in this day where um, we're still socially distanced in a lot of ways and we're now using video conferencing type tools more than ever. It uh, deals with Apple's FaceTime. This is Apple's video conferencing uh, technology where you can do video calls. It's been around for a long time, but it's always only existed within Apple's walled garden. You couldn't make a video call to somebody who used a Windows computer or who used a Android phone. Well, starting with the new operating systems coming out this fall uh, that Apple previewed uh, last week, that has changed. You can, you still have to have a an Apple product to initiate to start a fi FaceTime call, but you can invite Windows and Android users into the conversation. Uh, by just sending sending them a link, it's just a simple little uh, a web link that the FaceTime app will generate for you, and that just like that brings those two platforms into the FaceTime world. Uh, you can now also in FaceTime schedule calls. You can do a lot of the things that people have been using uh, apps like Zoom for, and honestly, I predict that people will still continue to use Zoom because um, I'm not going to even though I've once I upgrade to Monterey. 
I'm not going to switch the tool that I've been using now for, you know, a couple of years. But um, for people who don't want to or who want to use FaceTime for one reason or another, um, the ability to add a Windows user or an Android user to the conversation is a uh, is a nice enhancement. Well, and, um, you know, I'm surprised they didn't change the name from FaceTime to Zoom time because they're obviously playing catch up with some of the features that Zoom has, oh, big time. you know. Because uh, Apple, you know, Apple makes hardware and they sell the hardware and they make the profit on the hardware. And just about every single application they have, they give away for free with the device when you buy it. So they don't have any big motivation to create a really well-rounded, versatile, enterprise-level video conferencing system. Why would they do that? That would be a lot of money yeah. they'd have to spend. But that I think was never that was FaceTime's intention from the beginning. It was always a just you know, video call. Hey, let's do a video chat with one other person. This whole idea of having a whole group of people in the window and multiple people, you know, conversing and in a meeting was never really kind of FaceTime's thing to begin with. But Apple saw the writing on the wall or the window or the or the fonts on the wall the window. <laughs> yes, the window on and, the wall. Uh, and uh, realized that it was this was a good opportunity to um, to play catch up, as Bob said, and and make it look more like uh, the video conferencing applications that people have gotten used to using on other platforms. And they've, uh, you know, in the the new uh, the previewed operating systems that are coming out, they've done stuff like having the ability of a built-in video camera like on iMac or something like that to actually sort of not physically swivel around but virtually through software point okay. towards the person talking and that's something that that your video you know your webcam on zoom on your windows computer is never going to do this is uh or not likely to do you know this is something they can do because they have the the uh platform to do all this on you know right. so it's just enhancing right. what's already there yep yeah i, I if you're just I, tuning in oh go ahead Bob. No, no you go ahead because it's time <laughs> i was just going to remind our listeners that if they just tuned in uh you are listening to point and click radio the bi-weekly computer show here on kzyx bob lawton and yours truly jim hyde here every other wednesday Bringing your computer and internet news, answering your computer questions. The phones are open. If you've got a call, if you've got a question or a comment, uh, give us a call at 895-2448, 895-2448. We'll get you on the air and we'll uh, we'll help that modem that won't mow, start to mow. Again. Mow, yes, mow again. <laughs> well, one of the things Apple seems to be really taking the lead in is... Um, Things that were formerly described in one word are now described in two words, the first word being computational. Mm -hmm. And this is where you can make your uh, microphone be a narrow field microphone or a wide field microphone with the same microphone just by using software to, to process the incoming signal and, and change it. And um, I'm just going to read about three or four things in the new key features for the FaceTime that's coming. They have spatial audio, voice isolation, wide spectrum audio, um, just in the audio. And and then they've got um, grid view for, for multiple, you know, a multiple person uh, call, calendar integration, uh, FaceTime links. You can you can share things like links and photos uh, and stuff right. like that over a FaceTime call now, just right through the video. Um, uh, share play. You can you know if you're watching a movie, you can just kind of share it through FaceTime while other people are watching it, and uh, it just goes on and on. And all these things are done just by you know by taking the hardware with the microphone the 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 camera the facing you know the facetime camera and just doing all kinds of things with the software so that it, it uh, you know makes it much i more. think one of the most interesting things is what apple calls live text yes where you can take a picture of text you know a sign or something like that and it will recognize the characters the letters or the numbers the characters in the in the sign or in the photo and turn that into editable text wow which i think is pretty impressive we've got a call coming in jim let's get our callers in right. tonight uh here on point and click hi caller you're on the air 
Hi, this is Tim from Moscow, Idaho, and I have a comment slash rant and a question. Okay. And the my comment rant is, um, I'm not a computer nerd, but in the 80s, I saw the efficacy of computers, and I bought a computer, and I loaded the software on it, and I climbed that steep learning curve of learning how to use the software, and I liked it. It was a, a good deal. Um, but then with the rise of Internet, uh, the software has become attached at the hip to the Internet, so you can't just buy software. Um, you, I guess, lease software, and you're always tied to the Internet. And I don't, I don't, I'm not big into that. I don't care for that. And one of the programs that I use most frequently is my calendar. Um, and unfortunately, um, this is on a, a um, Wintel is what we used to call them. I'm not sure what they're called anymore. Right. But anyway, it's not a Mac. But it's tied to the Internet. And yeah. one morning I turned on my computer. I opened up my calendar, and there was nothing on it. And the reason there was nothing on it, I, I hadn't updated my privacy settings or something. Oh. And I became... I became incensed. I, I figured it out. I got my, my my calendar back. But I became incensed, and I want to find a standalone computer or a standalone calendar. And I went on the Internet, and that was about useless because they, they were all talking about how you could, you know, jive your calendar with somebody else's calendar, and that's not what I want. Right. So right, I'm right, looking right. for a recommendation for a standalone calendar that does – Nothing but, you know, keeps my personal stuff, and uh, I don't have to link it up with anybody else's calendar. And so there's my question. Yeah, that's, um, I think that there are calendar programs, um, I'm not sure for Windows. I know that on my iPhone I have a task manager that basically works as a calendar. It keeps appointments and dates and reminders and stuff like that. And I can um, use that completely without syncing it up with anything right there on the device, and it doesn't have to go to the Internet. It optionally can go to the Internet because then I can look at it on, on my computer, my uh, tablet, and, and my uh, smartphone all the same. So there might be what, things out there. Go ahead. What, what version are you, of Windows are you using? The latest Color? version? Window, uh, Windows 10? Windows 10, yeah. Have you have you tried? There's a built-in app in Windows called Calendar that... That's, um, what, I'm use, that's you know, what I'm using, but it, it, it links it up on the Internet, and that's why I lost my calendar, because um, I did not update my privacy settings um, as far as... Was it, I'm not sure who was. Uh, oh, I... Uh, I guess just uh, Microsoft. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. And, and the way most of these apps work, on uh, at least on the Macintosh side, and I'm sure they're very similar on the on the Windows side too, is that your calendar lives on your local device, but it will also talk to the cloud, as it were. It'll talk to the internet um, and and store it there as well, so that you can do those things that you mentioned, where if you have multiple devices, you can have your yep. phone calendar be the same as your desktop computer calendar. Um, but that's not I what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking for like an old-fashioned app that you just run on your local computer. That's all. It's the only place that it runs. And um, uh, and here's my other comment. I would always like to be air gapped if at all possible. And I've sort of searched how can I how can I disconnect other than just hitting the button? How can I always be disconnected from the internet or after like ten or fifteen minutes or whatever? And if right. I want to connect, I'll connect. But I always wanted the mode to go. Well, Tim hasn't been on the computer or on the internet for five minutes. We're just disconnecting. So right. Yeah, and I, it's funny. I it's know, funny. I, you, I haven't found that that possibility, but I'm you, looking for it. Do you connect to the internet um, through an internet service provider with a router or modem in in your home and uh, use wireless to connect? Is that are you on the wireless? Yeah, yep. That's I'm, I'm I'm I connect wirelessly, and when I when I start up the computer, I um, always turn on the internet if I feel like it, if I'm going to use it. Right. And then when I'm finished with the, the internet, I, I shut it down. I never have it connect automatically. 
but sometimes I connect and I forget about it. And but I would just assume that after if I haven't been on the internet for five or ten minutes, it just automatically disconnects. So I'm air gapped. No, not if you're using wireless. It'll just keep talking to the to the. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unless you unless I physically click the button disconnect. Yeah, I was going to say to, if you if you manually turn off your wireless connection, you know, so that the radio that that does the connection shuts down, then you are effectively having an air gap. Yes, but, but I have to do that manually, and, and I'm, I was looking for something in the operating system that that says well. Um, he hasn't been using the. There's been no traffic on the internet, so we'll just disconnect from the internet. Da, 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 da. But I haven't found that capability. Yeah. I just have to remember to do it uh, manually when I'm when I've stopped using yeah. the internet. Most people but, but wouldn't anyway. want to lose it or have it go out automatically because then they would stop getting their emails and stuff like that. But, uh, once again, uh, there are some of us. Uh, I guess we're sort of computer luddites. Um, who don't prefer to be hooked to the internet because then you have to make sure that you have the appropriate software to um, watch yeah. out for viruses, and it's just it, it's just become uh, completely I'd ridiculous. Be, I'd be more charitable and say that it's old, old school rather than luddite. <laughs> well, that's me. I'm, I'm I, hopelessly old school when it comes to computers. Yeah, but but you you guys can't really think of a of a standalone. Windows version of some sort of a calendar. I, I guess I'll just. Have I've been to doing lots searching. of searches here. Now, yeah. I, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you just be able to use a calendar app without adding any uh, accounts? Yeah, I think and generally when you set up a calendar account as, uh, or a calendar app, it's going to say, you know, add your Outlook account or, or whatever online accounts. If you just clicked cancel and didn't do that, wouldn't it just work locally only? Well, I, my experience is is no. On the on the, the calendar that came with my uh, Windows 10, it it really uh, um, it was just sending me a message today about how you haven't updated uh, uh, certain things, and apparently it's 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 not going to um, go out like it did last time because I well, the last one I didn't have a, a, a correct password as far as Microsoft was concerned, and that was. Yeah. Anyway, um, okay. It, no, we, it, it, it really wants to check with the internet all the time. Listen, we have another call coming in, but I was just going to okay. say before we hang up is uh, go look in the preferences settings for the calendar, and you may find things that you can configure that'll make it more like you want. Okay. okay. All right. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Yeah. Good luck. Bye bye. Yeah, I've been you know, and I've been, I've been doing know. some web searches Hi. during. Yeah. Do we have a caller? Previous. Yes. Hi, you're on the air. Hi there. Oh, hi. Um, I'm wondering, I have Windows, a PC with Windows 7, and they've stopped supporting that. Is there any reason I should not upgrade to Windows 10? How well, old is your computer? If everything runs fine and it's an older computer, you might want to not try the risk of, of, of switching over to Windows 10. Okay, what is the risk? Well, if your if your computer is on the old side, um, you want to make sure. That's why the first my quest, first question was, how old is your computer? Because newer operating systems have more features, and that tends to mean they need more horsepower, um, in the form of a faster processor, or more memory, or more hard drive space, or or some combination of the above. Um, if your computer is on the old side, then uh, that is. Um, that, that might be an argument for sticking with Windows 7. The downside is that when Microsoft stops supporting operating systems, that means they're not going to be releasing security patches for it anymore either. And that makes you increasingly vulnerable to malware. Uh, uh -huh. Anything that might come through from a virus to, uh, to, to any piece of ransomware or what have you. Okay. Uh, so and your, if I have a how, malware program on my computer with that... Protect me pretty much, or maybe not? As long as it's, maybe, um, as long yeah. as it's being updated as well. If it's being <laughs> um, updated for the, 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 for the latest malware that comes down the pike, then you're still, you know, pretty well protected. Okay, great. Well, then I, I'll you, check and see how much power my computer has. Is it, is it a fairly recent, is it a fairly recent uh, computer? Not so recent, but um, I got some memory more memory put into it 
fairly recently. Yeah, do you more, know, does, more something. Is it a laptop or a desktop computer? Desktop. Okay, and it probably has a, a spinning old type old type hard drive in it, right? Would you say that, as far as you know? Uh, good. I'm so sorry. I don't. You might want to have somebody uh, a computer uh, shop put in a solid state drive. The prices on the prices on those have come down a lot. Okay. So that's another option, and that that gives the computer a lot more uh, response. It doesn't have to have those spinning disks pulling off the, the the bits and bytes it does it in a much more um, high-tech fashion you know the solid-state drive and and most for most Windows desktops you can get a solid-state drive that'll fit the same configuration as the hard drive in there but you'd, you'd okay. be good to go with with more memory and a solid-state drive I think that it would uh, it would probably work pretty well well thank you very much I appreciate it you know if Broadly, if you're happy with the way the computer is running now, there's no great compelling reason to go out and upgrade as long as you're using some form of virus protection on your computer that is also being updated. Um, right. Eventually, you might get to the point where, boy, there's some new spiffy program that you want to run, and it requires Windows 10. Um, and at that point, then, you're, then your hand is kind of forced, and you are looking at having to upgrade. But, um, that, you know, Bob's advice is right on the mark. I, you know, check out... Do a, do a little do a little census, a little assessment of kind of what you've got under the hood in that machine, uh, um, and just verify that it is going to be capable of running the new operating system um, at a at a satisfying clip. Okay. There you Thank go. You so much. Thanks for Thank the call. You. Thank you. Bye bye. Good luck. Eight nine five two four four eight. The phones are hot tonight uh, on Point and Click Radio. Um, yeah, the um, the other thing, the other big stair step uh, that's separating the older machines from the newer machines is uh, a lot of the programs, the application programs, things like Photoshop and you know Adobe Illustrator and uh, Microsoft Office and stuff like that, are being um, programmed in 64-bit versions. You know, this yeah. the uh, yeah. for the last what. 15, 20 years, we've had 32-bit versions, which was a big step up from what stuff was originally programmed in, you know. Sure. And this just gives a, a, a broader pathway. When they talk about the number of bits, this is the um, the amount of data the com computer can be sucking in simultaneously. So a 64-bit obviously has twice the throughput of a 32-bit, and a lot of the older machines will not run 64 bits. And there's a, a kind of a grace period where you can run either 32-bit or 64-bit programs, and the operating system and the hardware will be okay with that. But eventually, it, it kind of times out, and then you know some newer software. I think Apple has software now, like uh, maybe Logic Pro or something like that, that will only run on a 64-bit uh, platform. Yeah, yeah. And, and more and more in in the new operating systems that Apple comes out with, they will sometimes just rip the Band-Aid off and mm -hmm. not not be able to run older apps. And if you try, you'll actually get an error message that says, "Yep, sorry, you know this this version of something won't run." Or even when you install the operate, operating system, it will kind of segregate those older apps into a into a folder where you know it says, "Yep, yeah, nope, sorry." Obsolete. Uh, yeah, exactly, and that is a sad. That's a sad reality, which is something you know that has been the case since personal computers first crawled out of the Silicon Valley slime. Yes, um, that is <laughs> the tar pits. <laughs> it's something that we always encourage people. You know, if you're happy with where you are in your you know 2004 vintage Mac or Windows computer, or your 1997 vintage Mac or Windows computer, don't try to upgrade the operating system or the software. Just kind of, if you're content to be kind of frozen in time, um, you'll still have a nice, perfectly usable computer. Where that breaks down a little bit is when you start talking about like web browsers and uh, things that happen on the web or apps that run in browser windows, which is a m more and more of a thing these days. And in cases like that, you tend to have to have more recent operating systems. Right. And also there's the aspect of security. A lot of the older browsers yeah. and older email programs and older operating systems have a lot of what are called vulnerabilities, which basically means these are holes that are known to hackers 
and they go around exploiting them, you know, to do all kinds of nefarious things, either stealing money out of your bank account or setting up your computer as a, a kind of a zombie spam bot or something like that. So while you're right. sleeping, it's Bitcoin sending out miner. email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Windows XP in particular was a virus vector. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones. Okay. Hey, you're on channel or uh, caller button number one. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Am I waiting to get on to ask my question? You are asking your question right now, live on the air. You're on KZYX. You're on the air. Oh, okay. All right. I need to turn the radio off, I guess, right? Cause, no, just yeah, turn the volume down. Okay. So my question, um, I'm on a PC Windows 10. And I want to find out how much RAM there is on this laptop. And I Googled, and it said to go to the Start menu, uh, click on that, and then right-click, and uh, Computer would be one of the choices that came up. And if you did that, then it would take you to somewhere you could see the RAM. There isn't any computer choice on that right-click um, I don't think what to call them, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. So is there another way to find out how much RAM you have? Yeah, down at the taskbar, is there a little magnifying glass? On your, are, are you in front of your computer? Okay. Hang on a sec. Let me see if there. In the lower left-hand corner next to the little Windows symbol, which is the start menu, there should be a magnifying glass. And um, that will let you search your system for all kinds of things. And if you type RAM into it, the first thing that pops up is view RAM info in system uh, settings. Okay. Okay, and that will come up and bring you a uh, window that says about your PC, and it says installed RAM in the um, mm -hmm. in the studio here. Oh, I've got 64 gigabytes. How about that? Nice. <laughs> Yeah, um, th that's how easy it is. And and any further questions you have about your system, when, uh, yeah. Microsoft Microsoft has gotten really good at sending you from uh, this search feature in um, in the taskbar right uh -huh. to the part. You don't have to go hunting through the control panel and reading all the descriptions. It's gotten really good at um, picking up what it is you're looking for. Okay. Now I can't find this magnifying. Class. Okay. Tell me again where that is. Are, do you see the what's called the taskbar, the one that has all the program icons lined up? And on the far left is that window symbol, the four little squares all kind of stuck together. Are you seeing that? Yeah. The Windows logo? The Windows logo, yeah. Do you see that? Well, I know it's here because, I mean, I'm familiar with it, but I don't see it. Well, it's got to be there somewhere. That's how you. That's yeah. how you drive your computer. Yeah, I know. It's, I, I mean, it, well, do you have a Windows keyboard? Does it have that symbol on the keyboard? If you push the key, that's it's called the Windows key. It'll it'll bring that up. It'll pop that whole thing up for you. Okay, I don't see that, but I think. It's well, we're going to go to another call. Go, go ahead and lo look around for it. So and when I get to that, when you get to that, type in the, the type symbol. in R R A M RAM. And hit, yeah. hit the enter key, and it'll bring up a, a bunch of results, and you can view the system RAM info. Okay. Yes. Hi, caller. You're on the air. Hi. Good evening, and thank you for the call. I tried calling a couple of weeks ago when Toby was on and talking about the privacy and privacy settings and things like that. And one of the things that I would like to know more about um and to let you know, I actually, the night before your show, um, a couple of weeks ago, I had been trying to research some airfares, and one of the airlines, I got into their website, and they wanted to do the cookies, and I always try to turn off as many of the cookies as possible because I don't want them tracking me. I don't want them doing any of the marketing or any of that stuff. This one particular airline, it would not let me turn off any of the marketing cookies when i yeah, tried so, it refused to let me do yeah it. even though the law requires but, them to do that they have these sneaky ways of not letting you get what you want if you don't do what they order you to so yeah. how can we let california state attorney general know that this is happening because it's really frustrating to go through all the hoops that you jump through 
to get this stuff turned off, and it, they, the, the, the website won't let you. I just I turned off the website. I said, well, I guess I won't fly that airline. So um, I just, but you know, Toby. And then the next night, Toby was talking about that, and I tried calling in, but something was going on with the phone system. It wasn't working. Yeah. But uh, so, so you're aware of the fact that these companies are not letting us turn this stuff off. I've I've experienced sites where... Or they where, make it really difficult. Yeah. I've experienced sites where um, if you want to read the article, you have to agree to the cookies or you can uh, you can configure your cookies. And if you type on the configure your cookies, it takes you to a page where it just explains all their 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 privacy statement and it won't ever let you get to the get to the article that you want to get to. So, you know, they're just giving you the runaround. Yeah, well, okay. If, then, then you know, what, what they're doing... Because I'm not a real tech-savvy person, and I thought, well, this is, but it was really frustrating, and like I said, I just decided, okay, I won't won't fly that airline, and, and that's that, because that's the way I can do it, is to not do business with companies that do that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. well, if you if you if you would like to complain, what well, basically what people are doing, um, these companies, they're 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 violating either the law or the uh, the letter or the spirit of the law, um, and the law is the consumer the California Consumer Privacy Act (CCPA). Um, if you go to the search engine of your choice and search for this phrase, sh- uh, sh- uh, type California CCPA complaint. CC okay. California CCPA complaint, and the the top search results will uh, uh, explain to you how you file a complaint with the um, California Attorney General uh, in response to a a a, um, a violation of the CCPA. Okay, all right, that'll be helpful because I plan on doing that every time I run into this now because to me our laws aren't good. any good if. Um, they're allowed to, you know, if these companies are allowed to do just what what they're doing, which is basically thumbing their nose at it. Yeah, and we appreciate your sentiments because in Europe, you don't get away with this crap anymore. They have much more stringent laws, and the European Union is actually suing and uh, um, fining the companies that don't follow the law, so. Okay, well, maybe maybe we can take a take a, a, a hint from from them and and you know our, have our attorney general do some of that because this i know this is not the our you know our, our legislators are trying to protect us against this stuff but if we just ignore that then we'll never get anywhere so it's good to know that the europeans are doing it and are doing it it successfully so thank you so yeah. much for your show i do really appreciate listening to you guys you're helping me a lot because like i said i'm not thank technically savvy yeah that's music to right. our ears thank you hey thanks a okay, lot bye-bye. bye-bye um yes i uh i understand the frustration there's a lot of sites now i have to tell you if i wanted to go on vacation and want to get an air, airline reservation i would be more concerned about the reservation than the cookies because guess what they've got you know in the past there's you get cookies from all sides you know so what's one more cookie if you really need to do something like that <laughs> although in general if i'm especially if i'm just casually browsing the internet i really uh, try to control that whole cookie thing how about you jim yeah whenever the whenever the big uh um dialogue box appears when you first go to our website and it says you know uh we're we're, we're doing this various forms of tracking you know uh, would you like to con- you know acknowledge or change your make your change your settings i will take the time to go in and at least turn off the targeting there's usually an option called targeting cookies those are the ones that are being planted by ad um advert internet advertising networks and those are the ones that are they're working with other technologies a lot of other technologies to track you as you make your way around cyberspace yes i would go to turn those targeting cookies off um if the website allows there are some um including a a website that i go to pretty often that really annoys me that instead of giving you that choice spits out a big huge page of legalese with an address that you can write to 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Like a letter. Yeah. Like get out your royal typewriter and write a letter <laughs> on a piece of paper to complain to to ask that you be uh, removed from the targeting. So, and Jim, would you, would you say they're complying with the spirit of the law? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. No, no, not really. On I the other hand, I'm going to pay for my typewriter ribbon. <laughs> yes, really. Um, there are some good guys out there and gals, and these websites will bring up a little banner that says, you know, you can pick pick how you want to visit us. You can just yeah. have the bare minimum, so yeah. that we know that that's actually a computer that you have there. Or you can have ones that will make the site more convenient. Like, for example, if you go put something in your shopping cart, that needs a cookie on your computer. So when you right. come back to the shopping cart, the stuff you want to buy is still in there. And that's all good. Or if it's a you know your bank account or something, you want it to remember stuff, you want to have the site remember you as a person and kind of personalize your experience, that's sort of the middle level. And the top yeah. level is, you know, share your information with our... Um, partners and maybe if you're feeling magnanimous and they get some of their money from you know processing your data to a certain extent and it seems like a a fairly above board business yeah i'll, I'll let you target me for for the you know new pair of uh, running shoes i'm looking for and maybe i'll get a good offer from somebody <laughs> and they're just very straightforward about saying you know minimum necessary or you know shoot the works and 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 you know be, yeah. be one of yeah, those, our those, those those cookies that require uh that, that allow the website to work like bob said you know putting stuff in your shopping cart things that allow the website to remember what you're doing as you move from one page to another uh, uh when to one page within the site to another uh something that's called persistence in the web world those are often described as functional cookies. Yeah. When you see those little dialogue messages that say, you know, what kind of cookies do you allow? Allowing functional cookies, there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, you'll usually need to do it in order for your online banking website to work or your online shopping website to work. Uh, the targeting cookies one, that's the one you want to target. That's what <laughs> just yes. remember. Those are the ones you want to target and the ones that you uh, want to disable because they're not doing anything for you except following nope. you around. Let's go back to the phone. we got callers. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, gentlemen. How's it going? Going great. How are you? Very well, sir. Just, just great. Hey, uh, I called a while ago about uh, the fact that I had accidentally... Um, uh, formatted the two terabyte hard drive that I use for oh, yeah. photos, and uh, and you're saying like uh, data, say you know, so it's some high, um, you know, specialized outfit to send something out right, to. Right, well, right. I, I was uh, researching on the internet, and it sounds like there's something called. Uh, I, I think it was iBoySoft, uh, a free download that uh, says it will uh, reformat or unformat un uh, uh, whatever the the is this is that something that you would uh, sign off on or is that uh, uh, do, do you know do you have Maybe. faith in uh, uh, Those, something that are, would um, that you could uh, get a free download and and have it, it, it according to the, the way uh, those apps the, the, the way those the way those free. apps typically work. The way those apps often work is that yeah, there's a free download, and yes, there's a whole family of programs out there that will um, recover files that you have accidentally deleted. Whether they'll kind of unformat a disk that's been reformatted is another question. I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, we can't recommend that particular one because we don't have any experience with that particular one. But what I will say is having played with some of those programs in the past, what they'll often do with the free versions is say, yeah, I can recover this, and it'll display maybe a list of the files. That, oh, there, there it is. There's the picture. There's those photos that I, that I, that I thought were gone forever. But then to actually recover them, you have to pay for them. You have to pay for the software. Oh, I see. So it gives you like it gives you a little tantalizing, you know. Like uh, they, yeah, they're like a lost leader. They're 
<laughs> so, yeah, so or, is, or there, some of them is might... there a program that, I mean, it would be worth a certain amount of money for me to... Well, if, all these photos but if you have and, if you have two terabytes of photos, that sounds like a lifetime of photos. And if they're well, all, it, it, it it's only a small amount on the hard drive, but but it it, it is basically all my photos. Yeah. So, Once you reformat the drive, no, there's no normal thing you can do like you couldn't make a copy of the drive with any software because it wouldn't see anything on there it has to be those special recovery programs but i don't have anything is it a mac or a windows machine windows um i don't know anything off the top of my head but i think if you google hard drive file recovery you might be able to get uh, a lead on some things that do that i'd be very careful about the um uh the free, free the free programs yeah because a lot of times yeah, Pay, pay pay something and get something that might work. Well, I would, you know, if it's something that's paid software, you might be able to go to, uh, Jim, what are some uh, PC magazines that might have software reviews for that type of thing? Uh, PC Mag. PC PCMag.com, PCMag, like magazine, PCMag.com, uh -huh. PCWorld.com would be another good, um, uh, another re good resource. Yeah, just Google up. All right. Google up file recovery uh, program and maybe put reviews after the search, you know, after the search yeah, terms yeah. and start looking that's for things. You probably want to get, uh, find something that's, you know, maybe anywhere from 30 to $60 or something like that, you know, that's that has a good, it's been around for a while, that's kept up with the technology and... Uh, that has good reviews. Has good reviews, yeah. Yeah, yeah. cool. All right, thank, All right, thanks a lot. Go good ahead. luck with that. Great work. Good luck. Yeah. Keep us posted. Jim, speaking of reviews, you texted me a thing about Amazon and the, uh, oh, the man. fake reviews. What was that about? I didn't have time to read the article. There are there are networks of Facebook groups. You know, on, on Facebook, you can create a group, which is kind of like a little, you know, closed, although it's not some are closed as in private and some are uh, open to the public. Um, and there are Facebook groups where people are... Um, basically, offshore manufacturers are looking for people to write reviews. And if you buy an Amazon, if you buy a particular product that they're selling, write a review of it because that makes you a verified buyer. They will refund your money for what you paid for. Just for the, for the good review. Correct. That's just one scam that, um, that some of these Amazon sellers use. And I actually went and, and went to Facebook and I searched for uh, Amazon review group um, in the, for the group option. And I found a couple and they don't even, because, they're, because that's you know, against Amazon's terms of service and because it's probably illegal and because Facebook tries to ban them in its attempt to try to keep Facebook a clean and honest place, um, they won't spell out the word review. They'll, they'll write R-E star star I-E-W or refund. They'll spell R-E star star N-D. Mm -hmm. And they do little things to, you know, basically skirt the people who are searching for that stuff, the, the moderators on Facebook who are looking for those kinds of groups to delete them. But yeah, there's so, there's so much of that going on that um, Amazon, in a blog post this week, uh, basically complained that the veracity of a lot of the reviews is being diminished by these unscrupulous sellers. In other Amazon news... <laughs> <laughs> the Amazon house brand where, you know, if something's a hot seller on Amazon, oh yeah, Amazon will say, well, gee, we could, you know, we could go over to China and have the same thing made cheaper. And it's the Amazon Basics line of products, but apparently uh, federal safety regulators are investigating it. This was a report that CNN did. And they've got pictures of things that are melted and fried and burned and, you know, exploded and uh, unraveled and everything you could imagine. Because apparently they just, Amazon knocks this crap out and it's, you know, probably some of it's good and some of it's not. But, you know, that's one of the yeah. things that they do. So they've got more problems on their hands than fake reviews. 
Yeah, this is something that a lot of big companies are annoyed with Amazon for. Amazon will look and see what items are really selling well. Like, hey, boy, a lot of people buy little, you know, office desk chairs with wheels on them. Or a lot of people buy shredders. Or a lot of people buy, you know, um, USB cables. And so Amazon will then set up, you know, will contract with a factory in China to, um, to manufacture those items and then sell them themselves basically cutting out the opportunity for the for the other company the manufacturer and pocketing the uh, you know the, the the lion's share of the profit themselves yeah uh, we have time for one more call if somebody wants to call in we just had a caller but they hung up and we're almost out of time but uh, we wanted to try to give our callers as much time as we could on tonight's show since the phones are working working very well tonight yeah, um, you know, I think the Amazon Basics, probably the good stuff is made in China. Who knows where the, <laughs> the stuff that catches on fire That's is made. Quite possibly it's, true, yeah. 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 Uh, here comes our yeah, caller. Yeah, oh, good. Hey, hi, you're on the air. Is your radio down? Hi there. No, I've got it off. Oh, good. And, um, yeah, you know, I think uh, what the you know woman brought up earlier about some of the privacy stuff with some of these sites is some pretty important stuff that goes back to the beginning of bulletin boards and some pretty bad players out there. And so I hope people kind of stay vigilant until we really kind of get this stuff figured out in the next 10 or 15 years because it's going to be a long haul for a while until the software really comes up to snuff to stay ahead of this stuff. I think but, you're right. Well, and what we always say is you've got to be an educated Internet user and an educated, um, savvy computer user because um, right. that's the best defense is, a, is, is an awareness that they're out to get you or track you or watch you. And there are ways yeah. to, you know, to, to increase your privacy um, by listening to they the want to remember. <laughs> they want to remember things about you you can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do. Most and, you know, and, and I, I know that's a kind of towards the end of the show, so I didn't want to lose out on, you know, the gentleman spoke earlier in the show about this, you know, calendar problem that really goes to the core of this software as a service thing that I think is really yeah. supposed to be more focused towards like commercial uses right. rather than like kind of our daily life stuff. And I want to remind people that there is a enormous host of open source software right. that is safe that doesn't have a server sourcing data off that program Excellent. that is just, there's just such a plethora out there and that you know like you were saying pc mag and pc world and so many others that are 30 and 40 year old magazines reviewing stuff for so long and that you know, and that there really are, you know, because otherwise you've got to get software that will go into the startup files that Windows won't let you have access to and so many other things you have to do to lock down processes and services that so many people are not really up for. Because we're out of time. It is hey, a pain. you're right. You're right. And we're out of time. And that's a good point. Thank you. Good call. Thank you. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.